And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You'll be the best and you gotta pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you gotta do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond Rich. How we doing? Well, Jordan, we've reached the bye week. And I think we all need a buy, don't we? I mean, that's it's, it's a good way to approach life. Sometimes you just need a buy. And uh, the Rams do. I think we do. Everybody needs a buy. But some stuff we want to talk about because not a real encouraging game, Jordan. Um, a loss to the 49ers, which is becoming all too typical for the Rams uh, under Sean McVay. Drops them to 7-3. and three. Big picture, Jordan. I mean, what do you think? I was thinking about this the night of the game. The Rams were seven and three after 10 games last season. It's it's like that old adage in, in the you know presidential elections. Are, are you better off than you were four years ago? And, and that's what I was sitting here thinking at seven and three. If you're the Rams, are you better off than you were 12 months ago when you were sitting at seven and three? I'm not really sure what the answer is. Yeah, I, I probably am not going to fall into that particular narrative uh, because I think like it's it's a very different scenario in which, you know, I think yeah. you see this was never and we warned people about this at the beginning of the of the season and, you know, even back well into, you know, January, whatever, this was probably not gonna always look really good, um, in terms of onboarding a new quarterback into an entirely new offense. It looks even worse as it turns out when you miss one of your steadiest receivers. Right. Um, when you are twice in a row in prime time dropping these games against teams that have the formula down to beat you. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. I think where you can make a comparison um, that's maybe includes the proper nuance of the situation instead of maybe as like an overarching um, like quarterback comparison, for example. And I'm not going to even get into that because (laughs) we can talk for several hours about the numbers and the differences and the, the ways the offense has changed and all of those types of things um, and what was happening in the building that made that an untenable situation moving forward. But I think what um, what to really look at here is what Sean McVay and his staff need to be looking at right now. And mm-hmm. that is, have teams figured us out? Have teams figured out a way to out-scheme us if they have the correct personnel to do that? The 49ers and the Titans both had the correct personnel to out-scheme the Rams in the way that they... That would hurt them um, in a way that I'll get into in a minute, philosophically, importantly, yes, but also schematically as well. Um, and how do they, this is this is the question, how do they continue to push forward and continue to evolve? And it will probably take reaching back into some familiar tools. It will probably take adding help in places that, um, you know, they need to add it. And it will also take, I think, um, a level of execution and and preparation and 
um, and plan being implemented in ways that for the last two weeks, in terms of especially the in-game adjustments, we just simply didn't see. And that around this time last year, um, week eight, week 10, um, the Rams very much, the it was it was clear the Rams, this is, this is troublesome. Something right. has to change. This will not work moving forward. That was the zero blitz game. Mm. Um, that was the turnovers had reached an apex. Um, that was everything skidding off the rails despite their personnel being um, arguably, arguably better on defense. Right. Um, in, in places much better on defense. And uh, pretty, pretty overall the same because I'm not going to count Odell Beckham's presence add, uh, especially not outweighing the loss of Robert Woods, especially not outweighing the loss of Johnny Munt, um, especially not outweighing the loss of, of Cam Akers. It, maybe a, you know, maybe a little bit more stable last year this time than it was um, than it is right now. And those are things that they have to iron out moving forward. But they have to figure out how to continue to push this thing forward. I think the reason why I'm not as worried about them as I was last year at this time is I think they have the the people to do that. I think they have the quarterback to do that. I think they have the players to do that on the offensive side, even without Robert Woods, which, again, can't understate or is it I don't know if it's overstate or understate, but you can't under exaggerate the loss of a player of his caliber especially with some of the concepts that were are quite literally built around him. You saw how they had to sort of adjust on the fly. Daryl Henderson is catching his third down targets or what didn't catch it, but um, was the target on that third down. That's the Robert Woods play that is so sure in a 50% conversion rate now um, was a failed play. Those are things that you see, the little details that they had to hedge and try to adjust. Um, and I think that they will be able to put this thing together moving forward. They have the capability to, and I think that's where a lot of it will come down to coaching is um, I do think they have the capability. I think they have the pieces to put this together, um, especially on, on offense, especially in the margin where they believed that margin would improve to the point of overshadowing some of the issues that we are seeing on defense. Um, that's the margin they need to spam right now. They need to put everything they have um, into that margin and widen it as much as possible and and make this offense, you know, into something that we saw at the beginning of the year um, and against Tampa Bay as well, like something dangerous. Um, and I that's why I don't I don't feel the same as I did this time last year at all um, in terms of being on the ground and watching the strategy and, and seeing some of the details and the nuances there. At the same time, they are in danger here. Because there is a way to beat this team, particularly if you are a ball control team on the other side. Jordan, you you covered it so well in, in your column, um, which is now online on the Athletic Happen website. If people haven't checked that out already, you've had a couple of days. So what are you doing if you haven't checked it out already? But and uh, if you've been busy, things happen. That's fine. Go check it out. Um, but Jordan, one question I had off of that is, do we do we know what the identity of this Rams team is right now? Um, or do they have an identity? Uh, it, it seems like whether it's injuries or the you know, additions coming in and out, I, I, I'm not sure that I look at the Rams and say, yes, this is who they are. This is how they're going on, on 
both sides of the ball, by the way, uh, not, not just not just offense, not just defense, but both sides of the ball and special teams, which, oh boy, I'm sure we will get into that in a little bit. But um, is is this a team that, that you go into a game now, especially a game like San Francisco, a game like Tennessee, where you know how they're going to try to play you and and you know what what Rams football is? Uh, do, do you feel good about that? Um, I think part of the reason why it's you're struggling to find out how you feel about this team right now is because they're struggling to figure out who they are or maybe not struggling, but like in the process of still doing that. And it it seemed clear or clearer at first that they were going to be a drop back team that passes it the hell down the field consistently. Um, I have nothing. I have no issue with that. The problem is they were able to protect against interior pressure early in the year. And now they are not against teams with the personnel to handle that. Um, And and I will say, like, I'm going to give them credit for what they did against Tampa Bay, particularly that interior front. Um, And I believe that these guys can do it. Again, that's why I'm not feeling like totally hopeless right now in terms of if I were a fan, I wouldn't feel totally hopeless right now. They can do it. They can do it. They have done it. The problem is um, they're also not adjusting what the quarterback's doing. Um, they're not adjusting in in some of those ways where if your drop back stuff isn't working and you're still adamantly going to be passing the ball downfield, um, particularly when you're in a deficit, particularly when they're uh, Ben Sol- guys go read Ben Solak's piece at the Ringer this morning. He very very well summed up very adequately adequately the issues uh, in terms of lack of adjustments that are happening right now, the adjustments that need to happen move moving forward. And he noted that teams are not. It's it's like the Pat Mahomes effect. People are not teams are not blitzing um, Matthew Stafford very much right now because mm-hmm. they're getting pressure with four, and specifically that pressure is not coming around the edge; it's coming up the gut. Mm-hmm. That's coming against Brian Allen, against David Edwards, against Austin Corbett, and they're not doing well against it. And that's just that's just true right now. They have yeah. done well against it before. They've done a great job against that before. But the last two weeks, in terms of what they're trying to keep forcing down the defense's throat in terms of the drop back game, it's not working. So you have to start moving the pocket around. This is something where I, this is where I, I come back to the adjustments part and that's on coaching in my opinion is right. you, you spent the entire spring, summer, first part of this year talking about how much Matthew Stafford expands. I've had this conversation and you know, it, via either via press conferences or just in passing, like you can use play action here. You can use it, especially the run action. You can use it as a tool. You don't have to worry about it becoming a crutch because you can pull back and do the other stuff when that starts working. It's the ability to do a lot of things at once is that's the reason you brought this quarterback in, but you're now falling into the drop back game too often. And that's when teams are coming right up the gut. And that's when Matthew Stafford is getting bothered. Now, I'll weigh that with also saying he's still producing the highest EPA per pass play in the NFL right now. So again, the wheels are not off this bus. But the fact is, is if you spend a lot of time talking and and believing and 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 it's true that this quarterback could do a lot of different things then you also need to do your part schematically to alleviate that pressure if your guys are not getting it done up front and they're getting outmatched up front two weeks in a row. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it, it's, yes, the physical part that offensive linemen think, and I think Andrew Whitworth spoke very well about this part, point two weeks ago, the physical part 
of playing offensive line, yes, that does come in the run game. But the physical part where they're getting outmatched is coming in the drop back pass game. And that I think is what we're talking about when we talk about getting physically outmatched. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about a lack of identity. It's because the lack of adjustments is, is making it feel a lot more helter skeltery than it has to be. And you can't just establish an identity without also pulling the tools out of the tool bag. If you're going to be a finesse team, be a finesse team. That means you have to try to do different stuff. That means you have to be smarter than what they're doing against you. It's okay to be a finesse team right now. And the the way the league is the pass, you know, the, the way that the um, passing attacks are and, and all of that, but you have to be adjusting in order to do that. And that has to be part of the identity in order for that to work. So that's why I think you're you're struggling to see it on the offensive side. Plus, the change in personnel, it does not help. Johnny Munt was a much bigger loss than people are willing to admit. Um, Robert Woods is obviously a huge loss, as we said. Um, the Rams are, are being extremely careful with their running backs. I think it's pr- pretty clear why at this point. Um, if it's not clear... Tweet at me. I'll I'll explain it to you. <laughs> um, it's it's pretty clear why they're being overly careful with their running backs right now, and and between between reps and injuries, and also by the way, the fact that they are down against ball control teams specifically two weeks in a row, and they can't even get the ball back, let alone run the ball in the first place. And then when you do, you're being overly careful about it. And then on the other side of the ball, and I didn't, I promised I wasn't going to rant today, but it's, we're in it now. Um, on the other side of the ball, defensive identity, they're all over the place. This is a defense with Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, now Von Miller. Kind of going to remove Von from the equation for now because I do want to be fair to those new guys and say, like, it would be unrealistic to think that they would have game changing impact in their first game with the Rams. Um, but this is a team that should have a defensive identity. Yeah. But they've got one foot in the door from last year, and they've got one foot in the door for whatever the hell they are doing this year, and it's not working. You can't be two things. You have to pick one and be one. And quite honestly, the thing they picked last week does not work. No. I'll get into why, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts to that same question that that you asked me. Yeah, it's I, I agree. I think they're all over the place. And and there's look, there's been a lot going on and that that plays into it with with injuries. This isn't when you lose Cam Akers at the start of the season, you don't you're, you don't you're not going to have the identity that you thought you had when you lose Robert Woods, when you're making these, uh, you know, big swings during the season, bringing in Odell, bringing in Vaughn, uh, you know, uh, letting go Kenny Young uh, and putting in a rookie, all of these things um, factor in specifically on the offensive side. I, I, I kind of pulled back a little bit, even be part of the in part because of, of things you were saying. I, I thought immediately after the game, I thought and and you know, prepare. Uh, it's 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 the uh, hit the hit the button for the for the rich talks about the run game game uh, portion of the podcast. But um, after the game, I kind of sat there and I thought, well, why don't why don't you just simplify it? You know, like you have all this stuff going on. You've lost Robert Woods. It's Odell's first game. You're, you don't know how your interior offensive line is going to hold up and pass protection. Matthew Stafford's been a little bit eh, at times, especially early in games. Why not simplify it? Why not just and and you're playing, as you just said, Jordan, a 49ers team that, you know, is going to 
try to take the air out of the ball. And their dream scenario is to get up with a lead in, in the first quarter. Knowing all that, why not just simplify it? Why not just say, hey, we're going to try to run the ball. Uh, we're going to try to control this clock. And we're going to try to you know, not let the 49ers get into that type of game that they want to play. I still think there's a part of that, but I also think you have to balance that with exactly some of the points that you just made, Jordan. And even in the run game, Robert Woods is a big part of the run game. Johnny Munt has been a big part of the run game. Daryl Henderson, I'm sorry. I, I love Daryl Henderson. I, I hope for nothing but the best for him. But what history has now shown us over the past three years is that it's going to be hard to rely on Daryl Henderson to be your number one running back uh, just because things happen. It's not his fault. It doesn't make him a bad person. It doesn't make him a bad running back. Some of it is just purely bad luck, but things just happen to Daryl Henderson. Yeah, and, I think it yeah. like it, uh, good point. Keep going, but a good point because mm-hmm. I do think a lot of it just the poor guy, like just bad luck, man. But it's he bad can't, luck. You can't, you can't design a run plan, plan around a guy as a – sort of a, a lead back or a um a workhorse back if if he hasn't been able to stay for a full series consistently or a full game consistently and a lot of it is bad luck and I hate it for him yeah but as a team you can't and then with Sony like Sony this run game is hard to learn it's complicated Sony I think is doing the best with what he's got but they never brought him in to be a lead back right Right, right. Yeah, there was a reason. And again, nothing in Sony Michelle, but there was a reason why he was available when he was and and in the situation he was like if that's not the situation that he was supposed to be in. Um, So it's asking a lot of him and asking a lot of everybody for for him to be in that in that situation. So, you know, based on all that, like talking about the identity, I mean, Look, your identity is is where you put your resources, right? And and the Rams during the offseason in in moving out Jared Goff and bringing in Matthew Stafford, they put a ton of resources into the quarterback position. Uh draft picks, they're they are spending combined with Matthew's cap hit and Jared Goff's dead cap. $44.7 million into the quarterback position. That's a, 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 almost one quarter of their of their cap uh, responsibility is going to that position. So whether you want to say it or not, your identity is based around Matthew Stafford. So your job as a coaching staff, I think, is to put Matthew Stafford in the best position that he can be in to run this offense, to run this team. Um, and I don't know whether they're doing that right now. And I'm not saying that's easy uh, because I don't think it is based on all of the factors that we've just been talking about. But that's really going to be the challenge here over these next seven games, these last seven games of the regular season. How do you figure this out to where you can get Matthew Stafford effective and where he's controlling the game, where he's your best player on the field? Because that's what you need him to be. Defense, Jordan, I'm going to let you go on this. I want to hear you talk more about the defense because this is something that you've been studying very closely uh, ever since you arrived in LA, but um, especially, you know, during this transition and stuff, because I want to, I want to hear from you about the identity of this defense and and where you think things are Uh, because people on Twitter, I understand they're very upset, but I think there's a lot of depth and nuance to this. Um, as to why it's not working. And I'm, I'm just going to turn it over to you, Jordan, because I really want to hear what you, what you think about this. Yeah. I, I have a, I, I showed you my notes before this. So I know, you know, it's, you just, I know you saw the word ILBs and you're like, Oh shit. It's on. <laughs> um, 
But really quick, before I, we get into the defense, I do want to say, yeah. as you were talking, something sort of dawned on me, Rich, and that is this team has made a big thing about being successful in, in its pivots and its quick pivots, um, mm-hmm. in its sort of fearlessness to make decisions that don't reset their team build model, but they pivot certain things or they they introduce catalysts into their system. The last three weeks, and this is why the circles under my eyes are this color, like the last three weeks, they've done nothing but not only introduce catalysts into their system again right. and reset sort of what some of that identity is going to be. They've also, by sheer bad luck, had to have catalysts thrust upon them in the loss of Sebastian Joseph Day on one side, their best run defender on the team, and the guy who is going to straight up manhandle um, offensive linemen and running backs and the you know guys who are doing the things that Debo Samuel can do against you, um, and, and someone who also brings a lot of soul, personality, spirit, um, emotion that Michael Brockers also did, yeah. um, and somebody who is having a phen- f- phenomenal, fantastic season, um, losing him. Uh, and I mentioned this in my column, it's not the Rams' fault that these moves that they made happen at the same time that these really actually gaping losses in Sebastian and in Robert are happening. But you are not only introducing catalysts into your system, but now they are being thrust upon you in ways that make you porous in spaces that you cannot be porous. And so now the Rams have to prove just how committed they are to those sort of pivots and those sort of catalytic factors that come into their system. How mm-hmm. adept are you at navigating those things? You've shown us that when you introduce them yourself, you can do it. But can you do it when those things are incidental happen to you? Right. What are the consequences and how do you counter them at this point? And right. so that's that's the important thing here. And I think that will be the identity if this team can do it and put it back together, which I do think they can. You know, there's not dumb and not dumb guys in there. Like for all the for yeah. all the, the head scratching stuff that happened the last two weeks, you know, I, I do think that when they step away from it for a minute and look at what can help this offense and help this team, I do think that the answers are pretty clear in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I think that that's I mean, do you think that's fair? I think that's kind of a that will that will become kind of their identity. It is. And and I think it speaks to, and I, I don't want to get too granular on this or, or make it sound like I'm, you know, it's a hot take or anything, but, but it, it is, it's, it's what happens when your plan goes off script. I mean, it's, you, you can, you can plan all you want and say, oh, this is who we're going to be if we have our full team healthy and, and, you know, what we want to do. And, and I, I feel like the Rams have a very good plan for that, but, but sometimes things are going to happen. Sometimes you're going to have injuries. Sometimes teams are going to adjust to you and, and they're going to, quite frankly, I don't, I don't mean this to sound, you know, uh, uh, you know, whatever, but it, it punched you in the mouth. I mean, they got punched in the mouth the last two weeks and, and that's just what happened. I'm not, I'm not trying to take shots at anybody or, or be, you know, put it out there, but that's what happened. And now they're going to have to look at that, take a hard look at that and say, Hey, you know what? Things aren't going the way we thought they were going to go. Um, and whether that's scheme changes, whether that's personnel changes, um, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of things that need to be looked at. And Jordan, I thought you said it so well. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, I'd like you to expand on this if you can, because I, I really do think that they are stuck in the middle. I think I think that was a great way to put it. Um, so do they need to what like what's what's the way out of this, I, I guess, is, is what I'm what I'm asking you. Do, do they need to 
just firmly plant their foot and go in one direction or another? Uh, is it too late to do that in a season? Can you can you in in a bye week? Can you just say, hey, we're we're you know we're going to change our identity a little bit, and this is who we are? Or, or are we too far down that road? Like, what what is the you know what is the formula here that that you think that they need to follow on defense? Yeah, on defense, I have very real concerns. Uh, concerns that I don't think should should be a problem, but are. Um, and so I think. I will start with what I think the 49ers did well in terms of their game plan. Um, I think that they spammed the Rams inside linebackers extremely well. Um, I think that their pre-snap alignments at times removed Jalen Ramsey uh, from the equation because if you'll if you'll note, um, there's a lot of people um, upset that he didn't just like shadow Debo the entire time. Well, they brought Debo into the backfield yeah. um, on some of those plays and even on some like known passing plays and aligned him in, in various ways. Um, and at that point, you have to pick, do you keep him on essentially their currently and jo- nothing against George Kittle. Debo Samuel is their most dangerous weapon right now um, because of the things that they're doing with him and the way that he can break tackles and the way that he can hit those catch and runs, particularly when going first east to west and then north to south against the Rams, what they're doing at corner on the outsides right now. So that they deemed Debo to be their most dangerous weapon. The Rams also clearly, you know, deemed him and George Kittle as their most dangerous weapons. So you're you're you have to pick you're picking your spots for Jalen Ramsey to be in because you're moving him around the field. When you are drawing moving Debo into the backfield, you can see this at times. You're bringing in Jalen Ramsey closer. Uh, in case it's a run play, you're bringing him in closer to the line of scrimmage. And at that point, other options open to you, especially if you're getting the ball out quickly or if you are uh, running the ball and he is breaking those tackles on the first and second levels. Um, They're doing all kinds of things in that regard. The problem is you have to pick the right spots for him. That's that's a coaching situation. Mm -hmm. And they're not going vertical with the ball. Um, so you're not going to have him cover like a standard X, like he would cover a standard X. Instead, you're going to line jokers against jokers, but you have to pick the right jokers to line against. And then if you pick the one guy and you're wrong, the other players have to step up and contain the, the player, the ball, either the ball goes to, or the run play and the rundown situation. The Rams did not do either of those things. Any of the three, actually. Right. They were not picking the right spots. Um, They were at times still sending him on pressures when Jimmy Garoppolo was getting the ball out, uh, according to Next Gen Stats, second quickest time to throw of his entire career. This is Jimmy, I'm afraid of the football in my hand, Garoppolo. Get it away from me. Holy shit, get it away from me. (laughs) Hot potato. Hot potato, Garoppolo. And it's still getting out second quickest of his his career, uh, 2.3 seconds. And the blitz is not going to get there. It's just not. There's too much traffic to get around to. You cannot be blitzing against a quarterback who is getting the ball out that quickly. That is an incorrect call. Yeah. That's not that you can't do that. Yeah. And especially you cannot be blitzing Jalen Ramsey. They didn't. That's there were only a couple of those. So I'm not just saying that was the entire problem for the entire game, but it's a symbol of picking the wrong spots for him. Then. Even if you're wrong, you have to count on other players around you making the correct call. Last year, part of the reason 
why this defense was successful is because the overhang corners tackled in space very well. Um, they played downhill, even with a cushion, even when they had that cushion, that roof, quote unquote, that we always talk about, they played downhill nasty as crap. They right. were jumping routes. They were containing um, there. You know, there were a couple of games where I know Troy Hill missed a couple of calls, but man, there were, there were games where him, John Johnson, um, Jordan Fuller are coming the heck downhill and they are crushing guys. Right. Right. Before they hit the sticks. That was not the case again. And the ball's coming out quick. So you have less time to get there, particularly when you're playing from that much depth. Then you also can't overcommit because then they will try to throw the ball downfield past you if you overcommit. So you're caught in no man's land. And this was yeah. definitely a pure symbol of no man, the no man's land that sort of this defense is caught in right now in terms of establishing what it is and what it wants to be. You're also missing Sebastian Joseph Day up front. Um, you know, I thought Aaron Donald played an outstanding game, particularly against the run, but you've got three guys, two, three guys on him on every play. He can't, he can't, I mean, what are you going to do? The third and two that he made, then Leonard Floyd gets called for a false start penalty. And that keeps one of their longest drives alive ends in a touchdown. And they couldn't get off the field on third down because, and this all comes back to, I mean, football is such a small, small ecosystem you guys and what the 49ers did was they took the entire ethos and philosophy of this defensive scheme and especially hit it right in the gut as it's in no man's land and they flipped it on its head and did the thing that works the best against it and they executed it to perfection against the rams who let them do it the problem, they could run the ball in drips and drabs. They only averaged three and a half yards per run by the end of the game. You, that should not beat you. Right. The problem was, right. is they were also outstanding on third down because they picked their spots and they, they out-schemed their Joker players against the Rams' Joker players. Yeah. In terms of George Kittle, in terms of Debo Samuel, even th- some of the things that they were doing with Ayuk, like they, they were out-scheming their Joker players against the Rams' Joker players. They were guessing right more often. They were more prepared to guess right more often. Jimmy Garoppolo was, he converted a third and six three times, mm-hmm. uh, third and four, third and seven, and a fourth and six for a touchdown. They were, yeah. the, Rams, the Rams allowed eight third downs to be converted in 13 tries. Second half went a little bit better for them. First half, five for five on third down. Didn't get a third down stop until the third quarter Taylor Rapp had a sack. And they're missing tackles on catch and runs, which again is a problem. Von Miller st- uh, n- noted toward that at the end uh, when he said, you know, if you hit a guy at three yards and he falls to seven yards, like that will kill a football team. And yes, it will, because then it, it mo- makes you disadvantageous against the sticks on defense. Right. Right. And yeah. then, and then when you cannot get off the field and all they're doing is picking at you, they're taking care of the ball. You handed them their perfect scenario because you turned the ball over so you don't get points on your first drive. You turned the ball over. Um, I- I'm not going to blame Matthew too too much f- at all, actually, for that second no, interception. No, 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 that's no. not on him. That's just one of those things a quarterback has to eat. The first one was a dumb throw. Yeah. Um, they're excusing it in their comments by calling it like a really good arm punt, like it was a punt. They lost a, They lost two downs, so I'm not going to give them that excuse because that's no. two downs that you could have done something with and therefore yeah. sustained a drive. It was second and eight. Yeah, they lost two downs. And and so I'm not, that's not, 
we're not calling it a punt. It was a dumb throw, bad throw. I could see where the, he, where Matthew thought the route was going to go. Right. You're, you're onboarding a guy for the first time in your offense. I think that would have been a hell of a play if it completes. Um, but it just was not, it just wasn't, it wasn't a good idea. It just wasn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then, if, if I could just, just to make cause I want to accentuate yeah, something sure. that you just yeah. said that, that first, that first San Francisco drive, because it's right after that interception, uh, it, it, it's the big, what it was 18 plays, 16 plays, nine, 93 yards. But you look at it and you talk about that 3.5 yards per, per carry. They weren't breaking off huge runs. I mean, Mitchell and Wilson were not, uh, they were not tearing up the field. Uh, you did get Debo, you know, oh, he got some six, seven yards. But what killed them and you just you you just enumerated some of them. Third and six, uh, 18 yard pass to George Kittle. Uh Third and one, okay, they they sneaked it for a first down. Third and four, a seven-yard pass to Kittle. And then ultimately, the touchdown was a third down play. Third and six, an eight-yard touchdown pass. They were in, the Rams were putting them in third and four, third and six, third and seven, which is where you want to be, but they weren't finishing it off. And, and the 49ers, as you just very eloquently said, were finding ways to exploit them on, on third down, especially with Kittle and, and moving. Look, and, and the other thing, like Kyle Shanahan is not a dumb person either. Like you, you can bet he's been studying a lot of these things. And how am I going to use Debo? How am I going to use Kittle? How am I going to uh, get, get the ball? How am I going to avoid Jalen Ramsey, put him in situations where, you know, they, they don't want him to be. So that's really what killed them. It, it wasn't, you, you can say, oh, the run game and they were just running the ball down their throat. Well, okay. But, but they were able to capitalize. If the Rams get one of those stops on third down, then, then it's a different game perhaps. Yeah, it but, was, it was third down. Third down was the killer here. The fact that they, they so clearly could choose their spots to spam again to spam the, the linebackers to spam the safeties and then to also choose their choose their joker targets and their joker alignments in order to keep the ball away from Jalen Ramsey Jalen Ramsey's position as you guys know because I have vented and ranted about this for months now Jalen Ramsey's position schematically is intended to make him an unavoidable player unavoidable player but he's literally getting schemed out of plays without a counter or an adjustment. So that's right. the problem here. It's not about him. There's a nuance to the argument here. <laughs> it's not yeah. about him sticking on an island to an X. Teams don't play that way. Any, the, the Niners do not play that way. Teams do no. not play that way anymore. No. No. It's not about that. The argument, it, the, I understand the, the ethos of that argument, which is, why isn't he always on their best player? I get that part. I do get that part. But the Rams had an opportunity here to uh, to come up with the correct guesses, the correct uh, strategy against those two Joker players on the other side. Yeah. Um, part of the problem, surprisingly to me, was that um, Dante Dion was was inactive, and Sean yeah. McVay brought this up. In the press conference, and to me, he said uh, something very interesting in that Dante, and Dante's been playing his ass off, like he's been playing yeah. really well, so good yeah. for him, and that's clear. Yeah. Tennessee, part of the, the, the plan for Jalen against Tennessee was outstanding. They, right. they can watch that and see what the tendencies then are. Right. And then do something different against what they believe the Rams' plan would be. And then you don't have Dante, who Sean McVay was saying was like actually one of the other guys who 
while not a joker player himself, helps counter the math in that regard because he can unlock some of that versatility, some of that movement that Jalen can do. Now, he's not a joker player, but he is a key, similar to how Troy was, similar to how John Johnson was, um, a key in that regard. And it was a telling statement to me because that also seemed to me to be a direct shot at what the other corners are not doing and not able to do and the other safeties are not able to do. Right. And so that being the other comment that was really concerning for me this week was um, the fact that I asked Raheem Morris and about uh, some of the, the movement and the, the, the picks and um, in terms of the, the, um, the spots that they're picking for guys. And he was also asked about George Kill about, about uh, Debo Samuel. And he made a comment about uh, how they have Joker players and we have them too. And they're going to use, it's going to be Joker players against Joker players. This is how the game is going to go. We have to pick better spots for our guys in order to counter what they're doing. So they knew this would be the plan. Mm-hmm. They were aware that this would be the plan. They were, they did not, either execute or pick the right spots. They did not look prepared, even though all indication was that they were prepared for what was coming. They did not look prepared at all. And it wasn't about the run game or defending the run. They missed Sebastian Joseph Day because he's not allowing, he's not going to allow those catch and runs to happen. He's not going to allow some of those, uh, he's going to help get that little inside push a little bit harder, maybe make Jimmy G a little bit more uncomfortable in some of those down and distances. Um, but it wasn't an issue so much of the run game. The run game was what helped them control the clock. They right. see Matthew Stafford turn the ball over the first drive, and they're like, hell yeah, guys. Like This is mm-hmm. falling right into our hands, just like how it was with Tennessee. We're going to keep the ball on the ground. We're going to eliminate the opportunities. It was, what, 11 passes by the third quarter? Yeah. We're going right. to minimize the opportunities for uh, – and most of those were on third down. We're going to minimize the opportunities for the Rams – playmakers to take the ball away including Jalen Ramsey this was like literally this was the you you see contain Aaron Donald plans this was the contain Jalen Ramsey plan right we're going to make sure that we keep the ball on the ground we're going to make their corners tackle some of these wider wider uh plays that we do sorry the plane flying very close to my apartment right now (laughs) sorry if you can if you can hear it that's a little bit holy crap that was not supposed to be that close to my apartment. Um, oh boy! Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll leave that in because that was a moment of of needed yes. levity. I think. I yes. thought I thought Tucker and I were going to go hide in the bathtub or something. Like, <laughs> was, I better check the news to see that everything's okay. Um, but um, but but basically, this was like you're going to make the other players who, in years past, when teams made the other players step up and do something, they did. This this was make the other players step up and do something, control the ball, minimize the the amount of turnover opportunity or takeaway opportunities for that defense, um, right. and control the clock. And it kind of goes back to what we were saying about the run game. In this game, good luck trying to run the ball anyway. It's not right. it's not so much of a can. They the the 49ers had the ball for twice the amount of time that the Rams did. You just you honestly cannot run the ball in that situation especially if you're down 21. Like, you just can't. You just can't. You have to pass the yep. ball. So they they executed this perfectly, and it goes back. The Rams knew that they were going to be spamming these Joker players right? and still were not prepared in the correct way. And so then it goes back to 
to me, what I said before, this is a small world. This is a small ecosystem. Football is a small ecosystem. And I will tell you this, Rich, over the spring and the summer, when I went to those two weekends with the quarterback collective, and I wrote about this and I linked it in my column if you guys want to find it, those sessions, hours and hours and hours and hours of those two sessions were spent talking about the Shanahan McVay system and the Fangio Staley defense. Yeah. Mike McDaniel, Butch Berry, Rich Scangarello were all there along with other guys from ver- from both of those co- all all four of those coaching trees. And they sat at the table in the middle of the room and they obsessed obsessed over this defense. It mm-hmm. wasn't like they were there for fun, for show, for the photo ops, for the whatever. I literally am sitting there lurking in the back watching these guys obsess, obsess to like a concerning level over this, over how to beat this defense. Right. And they aren't, they weren't even this last week. They weren't even trying to beat that defense. They were trying to beat some version of it that now exists. So, so where do you think? So what I'm trying to say, and I'll I'll finish here real quick. Yeah. 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 Is they, they have been waiting for this and planning for this and preparing for this and perfecting this mm-hmm. so that they could beat it when the time came. That's not to say the Rams were not trying right. to prepare. And right. it's not to say that they did not have a good plan if they didn't maybe have to change it with the turnovers and then the ball control stuff that happened. What I'm saying is, is they should have known that this level was coming that this level okay. of of obsession was coming. Sean McVay knows those guys. He knows them so right. well. And it's about right. you could be on your end. Like who are you surrounding yourself with? Right. To reach that level of obsession. Right. And there was a lack of execution in a lot of ways you know, defensive coaches and Sean and all these guys, they can't go out and make guys contain on first contact. They can't go out and tackle players for them. They can't, you know, make their linebackers play better. They can't get the pressure. Like they can't do that stuff themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. So take that with a grain of salt there. But the problem for me in terms of we're talking about this entire, what you want to be as a defense and how you want to establish your identity you knew that level of, of um, I'm sorry, like insanity was coming. Like you knew right. that level of it was coming. Right. And right. they outguessed them, especially on third down, outguessed them at every phase. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. There were just so many opportunities in that game. Just even looking at my notes when you were when you were um, talking there, we talked about the first drive, um, and and the Rams were down. The Rams were down fourteen to nothing. Which you think, uh oh, you know that's trouble for all the reasons that we have said. They actually came back and and scored a, mm-hmm. on a very, very nice touchdown drive. I mean, they went seventy five yards in I think seven plays um, and had no trouble at all. Yeah, they. So averaging, I know where you're going with this, and I just want to put this out here right now because I I love where you're going with this. I see, as Sean would say, you have that look in your eye, and I love it. I love the trajectory here. (laughs) Keep doing this. I will say, averaging over seven yards per play at this time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, huge. Uh, And and it it made you feel when you were watching it, like, okay, this this is calm down. And then uh, the 49ers get the ball back. They, They... uh, well, who knows what's going to happen? But like you said, third and two, that that play, Aaron Donald, uh, Leonard Floyd jumps offside, gives him a, a fresh set. That could have been a punt right there. That could have been momentum right back on your side. Okay, let's go to the next series. It's third and two, uh, the 49ers have a false start. It moves the ball back to their own 36, third and seven, third and seven. If you're a defense, that's a dream situation, especially with a 49ers team that is is not an explosive offense. It's the exact situation that you want to be in third and seven on 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 their side of the field. You'll take that 10 times out of 10. Well, what happens? A short pass to Debo. I don't remember the formation. I, I'd have to go back and look at it on the all 22 or whatever, but it, it was not a short, it was not a, a deep pass. It was a, a catch and run 20 yards, 20 yard uh, completion in the end that moved them into Rams territory. Uh, they ultimately go on to score a touchdown. It's 21 to seven. The complexion of the game just completely flips back uh, the other way. So it, it was just moment. And again, another one of those Joker plays it's Debo. And, and, and if you don't think that the, the problem that I have, Jordan is not when, you know, when we talk about the Rams being seven and three and, and there's a lot of people say, Oh, you know, how can you complain about being seven and three? It's, it's not about being seven and three. It's about, What's going to happen over the next seven games? What's going to happen in the in the playoffs? Because, like you said, Kyle Shanahan is not a stupid person, and there's a lot of smart coaches out there who are going to be looking at this stuff and looking at, okay, how did they attack this? How did they take Jalen Ramsey out of that calculus so well? 
if you if you think that other teams aren't going to to do, if you think uh, uh, Matt Lafleur isn't going to be looking at that uh, for for the Green Bay game, uh, if you think Cliff Kingsbury isn't going to be looking at that, if you think Shanahan's not going to be looking at it a second time when when they play later in the season, like that's the issue here. It's not looking at them being seven and three and oh well they're still fine because. They're they're in a uh, a playoff spot and and the NFC only has like six teams over five hundred. Uh, it, it's looking at it and saying, hey, if if you want to if you want to be playing in February, then these are the kind of things that you better start cleaning up right now. Yeah, and I think too part of the part of the thing that's noticeable to me is it's not so much lack. Well, it's it's a it's a two handed thing, right? A lack of adjustments uh, on both sides of the ball, but in this game. Um, especially notable on those third downs. Uh, The Rams used to have all sorts of insane packages for third downs. It was actually like you hear coaches talking about it across the league and people would say like, yeah, it was like a weird hybrid calls between Brandon Staley, Wade Phillips and Vic Fangio third down philosophy. Like it would be a bunch of weird, like one guy put it to me. He's like, Oh man, you're just running voodoo shit on third down. Like (laughs) one, one, uh, one, uh, assistant coach from an, another team put it that way to me in the summer. And it was like, okay, yeah. So, but you're not, when we talk about in that column, we talk about things like substance and making sure you have that substance as a team. That's one of the things you're talking about being feared on third down as a defense, as an offense. I do think the Rams, I mean, the Rams third down stats and their go for pass their shots, past the sticks on third down still are leading the league as, as is Matthew Stafford's EPA on third down. Um, so I do think they are feared on third down on offense. On defense, right. you need this. You need to be feared on third down. Right. And they weren't in this, and they 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 the drives were sustained, and that's that's part of the problem. Like even even um, I thought they had a really good plan defensively against Tennessee. I thought they they put Jalen where he needed to be. He made a couple of really great plays, including that interception. Um, and, and I thought that was a really, really good plan, but your plan changes week to week and even half to half. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the problem is, Mm -hmm. and that goes hand in hand too, with, um, some of the execution things that you're seeing, uh, missed tackles again, uh, being able to spam the inside linebackers, spamming the safeties, like missing tackles on the edges when you're at corner, when you're playing that overhang corner and you need to make the tackles. Um, they weren't doing anything insane in the passing game. So you're, in that case, your right. corners need to be a part of the effort against some of those outside plays, the catch and runs, those types of things. They need to come downhill hard short of, and hold the receiver short of the sticks. And you're just not, you're just not seeing some of that, right? You're not seeing that. And mm-hmm. I think that's, it goes hand in hand is how do you continue to adjust when your initial plan doesn't work? And this is on both sides of the ball. Yeah. How do you continue to adjust when your initial plan doesn't work? And how do you also elevate the level of execution um, when you do make those adjustments? And so I think yeah. that's that that was that was a big problem um, against this team. But going back to what you said about the being up uh, or being down 21-7, like in my mind, even then the Rams were still in it because, again, they were averaging seven yards per play. Yeah. And, and, th- and then what happened after that? Jordan? And then Sean McVay and this. OK, I did get some fair comments about like, why are you bringing this up in your in your column? And I, I and I understand that, like it's it, it's a special teams play. To me, 
the fake, first of all, it ran counter to the projected philosophy that Sean McVay has been trying to put out there about Matthew Stafford and keeping the ball in his hands. It, right. it ran counter to that fully. It also ran counter to making smart, coherent, aggressive decisions, not just aggressive decisions, not blindly aggressive decisions, smart, calculated aggression. Right. It ran counter to that as well. And that's where you have very real concerns about decision-making and you have very real concerns. So it was a, a symptom of a bigger problem, which is why I thought it was important to bring it up. Big symptom of a bigger problem, which is mm. if you're arguing that your quarterback is going to give you a shot in these games and you're trying to put the ball in his hands more often, and I've been saying this for weeks now, mm -hmm. you first of all need to leave him on the field for more fourth down fourth downs. You need to expand right. your your package that you have on fourth downs. Sean McVay is, as we know, one of the most conservative fourth down decision makers in the NFL, especially now. The, and the margin year over year is widening between himself and others. Part of that, I will give him a little bit of a pass because he had a quarterback last couple of years that was throwing short of the sticks even on third down, right. well short of the sticks on third down. So then you're probably not going to leave some leave that on, leave him on the field for fourth down. But you now have a quarterback who you intentionally pushed all the chips in. You made the phone call to Stan Kroenke. You brought him in. You pushed for him. Mm -hmm. Leave the ball in his hands on fourth down and expand your decision-making uh, packages for him and your option optionality packages for him to where you have the right play for those situations. Calling right. a fake field goal not only puts the ball into the hands. I love Johnny Hecker. This is not about Johnny Hecker. Johnny Hecker no. rocks. Johnny Hecker rocks. It's not about him. And he's got a and he's got a good arm, all right? This yeah. is not about Johnny Hecker. It's about putting the ball and the the trust of all of your I hate the word momentum, but really, if we're using sort of the same logic that that Sean uses when he talks about feel of, for the game, putting all of your momentum in the and, and hopes of making really an effort there at the end and really deciding, like I said in my column, to swing the heck back and connect, right. Right. even after you have a shiner, even after you're up against the wall, to start swinging your way out of it, right. that's not the way to do it. The Rams cannot, have not put a cohesive, coherent, even, you know, even close to that game together on special teams this entire season. Yeah. They are atrocious in every phase but the kicking game. And and they they are like last in the league in DVOA according to Football Outsiders, and they have stayed there. And to take the ball out of your hands of your quarterback, who still, despite the problems that you've been having early in the game with the turnovers, still leads the league in EPA, still is throwing the ball downfield past the sticks more often than not, still is able to make things happen, still at that point, even down twenty-one to seven, still is averaging seven yards per play. You take the ball out of his hands and you put it in the hands of your special teams unit that you're trusting to run a fake when they can't even execute punt and kickoff coverages correctly. And the situation is it's fourth and eight from the 17. I mean, I, I, I can understand. I, I can look at it both ways. It's 21 to seven. There, there's a part of me that says... It, even though I agree a hundred percent with you, Jordan, about about everything you said, there, there's a part of me that, that that can at least understand taking the three points there. That can at least say, okay, we're going to get three points. Yeah. We're going to go in twenty-one to ten. Um, we're it, it'll feel like some momentum. Okay, fine. I I I 
I agree with what you're saying. I think you you have to show that aggression. You have to uh, make a play when with the ball in Matthew Stafford's hands. Fourth and eight. What what do you you, you can look at it? Fourth and eight, and say, well, okay, that's that's a pretty low percentage play for Matthew Stafford, right? And I right. agree with that. It is a pretty low percentage play. But what is the percentage of Johnny Hecker faking a field goal? from the 17-yard line on fourth and eight with, by the way, 18 seconds on the clock. Yeah. It's I like, ju- yeah. there's no, it makes no sense whatsoever. And you have to look at it, the logic of it too, Rich, is like, so I would have been fine with field goal. And that's a big, that's a big statement coming from me because yeah. I, I yeah. say go for it more often than not on fourth down. Right. But think about this, the sequence of decision here. And this is why this is bad, Right. You have decided you are going to throw the ball on fourth down. Right. Because you've called a fake field goal. You have decided that you are going to throw the ball on fourth down. Right. Instead of putting your offense on the field and your quarterback, having had already decided you are going to throw the ball on fourth down, instead of putting the group that throws and catches things for a living on the field, (laughs) you have put that now on your punter who love the guy, but you have right. put that now on your punter. You've put that on your special teams unit. Oh, and by the way, the 49ers were ready for it. They covered the downfield yeah. man like no problem. Yeah. Imagine that. So this is not, I mean, this was not sound. This is not what we're, when you talk about aggressive decision-making and adjustments, this is not, not yeah. a good pattern that was showed. And yeah. this is one of those things where it's almost like when and and I asked specifically, I asked Sean McVay about this call after the game, and he said it he said straight up, it's a bad call, and that's on me. Shouldn't have made that call. And I respect that. I respect that. But the bigger part of the problem here, and the, again, the reason why we're even talking about this is it's a symptom here. Yeah, it's a symptom of a bigger a bigger narrative in that when you adjust, what is your process for making those adjustments? That cannot be it. Right, right, right. It's it's like, and it goes back to our thing about you. You, you get down to the to the one yard line, uh, and I'm not talking about this scenario. I'm talking about different. Like you get down to the one yard line, and then you kick a field goal, or the two yard line, you kick a field goal. Well, what are you doing? Like you've just you've you've passed the ball down there, and you, now you're going to take the ball out of Matthew Stafford's hands to to kick a field goal. And in this case, you're going to take the ball out of Matthew Stafford's hands when you know you're going to throw a pass. Like I, I don't, I don't understand the scenario of it, and and what was going to make this work? You're on the 17 yard line. Do you think Johnny Hecker is going to throw a 17 yard touchdown pass? Because if he doesn't, let's say it's fourth and eight. Let's say he throws a nice eight yard pass. Yeah, you're, you're still only you still at have the to not- try to get a touchdown. <laughs> you still have to try to get a touchdown. <laughs> you're short. You- you're short of the sticks. Any like you're throwing toward. That's the thing. Yeah. It's not even real aggression. It's fake aggression. You're throwing right. to the sticks. Right. It's, it's not, not real, a, man. It, it, it's not a fake punt from the 50-yard line. Like, I totally understand that. If it's if they've got the ball at midfield and it's fourth and eight and there's two minutes left in the quarter and you want to fake that, okay, cool, because you still got a long way to go. And th- that's not the that's not the end-all, be-all. Like, this was it. Like, if Johnny Hecker didn't throw a 17-yard touchdown pass there, <laughs> Uh, they were going to have to call a timeout to stop the clock and they were going to have about 10 seconds left. 
So they were still going to have, uh, I don't know, maybe two plays to to get into the end zone. They still had to get into the end zone. So it, it just it didn't make any kind of sense at all. And it just didn't fit with uh with with the 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 ethos or whatever you want to say of of what Sean McVay has done here so i i don't know it it was just a straight did, you know did did it did it cost them the game no it didn't cost no. them the game but it's it it is exactly what you said jordan it it just kind of plays into this baffling kind of uh decision making that's been going on there yeah i think it like like we've been saying it's just a sympt- it's a symptom to an overall yeah overall issue where I think as a coach, if you're trying to find ways to adjust, maybe we call that one like a vast overshoot. <laughs> like there's a yeah. there's a space to find there in terms of of aggressive decision making, in terms of adjustments and corrections, and that was just like vastly overshooting the the assignment, uh, honestly. And yeah. I think like you know. The pro- it, it's certainly not the reason they lost the game by far. Um, I think, and this is mostly toward like Twitter because you can't obviously have a conversation like this on Twitter, and when and you can't sum up everything that went wrong on Twitter, and you no. can't even do it really in a column. It's an ongoing conversation, right? So it's a lot of all of this stuff that we talked about. But that being said, like the Rams have already. They have fixes for all of these things. Now, the defense, I am worried about still when you talk about all the things that we just talked about in terms of execution and play calling and scheming and preparation and all of those things. Like, that's, you know, that is something I still am very much concerned about. I think they've put together a couple of really, really good games this year. Um, Mm -hmm. Actually, Tennessee was an outstanding game for them, even though, um, and and then the crazy thing, if you took away third downs, in this game, if you just took, if you just erased or put like a little piece of tape over the, that, that <laughs> line in the stat sheet, you're like, oh, the Ram, and you, and you hit the score, you're like, oh, the Rams may have won this game mm-hmm. because they yep. actually can, they contained and all of that, but it was the third downs and the catch and runs. And again, everything they were doing pre snap and even post snap with their Joker players in terms of picking, picking the better spots where they were always at a two plus one. The Rams having Jalen and Aaron on the other side and even Vaughn now should should always be at a three plus one on their side. But the 49ers completely pivoted and um, turned that they flipped that sort of philosophy on its head and turned it into a two plus one for themselves. And then they targeted the players they felt were more susceptible. And it really that's football. That's the chess game. Yeah. So I am concerned about that. I really do think this offense can and will turn this around. I really do think that, you you know, guys, I've seen too much of this process with these guys and the work that they've put in. And I think that if, if Sean McVay really is having that conversation with himself about what kinds of things, just because you have a quarterback who can do just about everything doesn't mean that you need to put all of those stressors on his shoulders every game. You can also build in things that do help him out. Um, I think now that they're going to have a week um, to onboard Odell Beckham, now that they're going to have a week to sort of figure out life without Robert Woods, I do think that they will make some of those adjustments and they should, they should, they should simplify some of this really. Some of the, some of the ways that they can move the pocket um, again, like some of the, you know, bringing in 
and you're sort of seeing it already, but not to the maybe not to the the amount of uh, that, that maybe they will be in the future. Like bringing back some of that play action, especially the run action, moving the pocket around, um, doing things that don't put so much on your interior after two weeks in a row where your interior has not shown up. Mm-hmm. Um, where in weeks prior they did, they did, and right. you know we'll say Brian Allen's playing with a pretty severe elbow injury. Uh, right. So right. you know there is that. But at the same time, like, you know, you pl- you plan for this as a team, as a franchise. Yeah. You plan, you, or you you don't have much behind him, and that was your strategy that you used as a franchise. So now you have to fix it, and now you have yep. to figure it out. And I and honestly, I think they will. I'm I, going back to our initial conversation on this before we wrap up here, Rich. Like, mm-hmm. this is not. I'm still not like overly concerned about this team. I still think this is a very, very, very good football team. I think they just right. went through a lot of freaking change in the last two weeks. As we talked about, some of it they introduced themselves. Others were uh, introduced by bad luck in the universe. And now you have to figure out, again, how to swing your way out of it and doing it with authority and with force. And Sean yeah. McVay kicking the freaking door down, man. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, it, yeah, it, to me it goes back to you've got to find a way to 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 maximize Matthew Stafford. And, and that, that just doesn't mean Matthew Stafford himself. That means everybody around him and, and the way that you call plays and the way that you design things. So I, I think that'll be the big challenge. Um, the good news is, like you said, Jordan, I, I, I would put it this way. Everything that they want is still right there in front of them. Yeah, they control um, it too. They have to, yes. it's, it's on them. This is not going to be circumstantial at this point. They're they are right. now the margins are too thin. They have not built the necessary padding for themselves by losses to the Niners, the Cardinals, right. um, and a, the Packers game coming up. Right. They have not built the necessary padding for themselves. Um, yeah, they, no, yeah, that that's where you would want to be. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the ideal situation, of course. But but they're also not in a situation where uh, again, every everything is right in front of them, and you, the schedule is going. It's not going to be easy uh, coming out with with the Packers. Well, the Jaguars are after that, so hmm, okay. But it, you know, two uh, two of the can't next fall three, into trap games either, man. Those oh, are those will that, kill well, you. And that's the thing. You can't your, your margin for error decreases so so much there. Uh, you, you can't that that's that becomes a must win game because you, you're that sandwiched between uh, Green Bay and Arizona. Um, but but everything is everything is there. And even when you, you look at the standings, I mean, for all we've talked about, uh, the Rams are still one game out of the best record in the NFC. Um, now I don't say that to mean they should be cocky or confident about it. Uh, but, but again, I would just say everything that they, that they want to achieve is still right there in front of them. They can still win the division. They could still get the number one seed in the NFC. Uh, it's, it's not going to be easy. And I don't know whether I would bet on it at this point, but, but they still, if they, if they do some of the things, uh, if they address some of the things that, that we're talking about here, it's still possible. And, and that's the good news. And I agree with you, Jordan. I think they have the people, then they have the, the skill, and they have the brain power uh, to do it. I don't know whether they will. Uh, that's, that's what we're going to find out over the final seven weeks of the regular season. But I do think they have the potential uh, to do it. So that's why I think it makes the Rams one of the most interesting teams uh, to watch over, over the second half of the season. So everybody can now take a little bit of a deep breath. Well, not you, Jordan, because you'll be working, as always, for our subscribers. 
uh, at The Athletic, on our app, on our website. Uh, Jordan has covered this. I read the comments, Jordan, at the bottom of your stories. And uh, if people ever said half of the nice things about me that they said about you, I would consider my life uh, to be, at least my career to be fulfilled. So uh, I'm glad that people appreciate all of the extraordinary work that Jordan puts into this beat and to um, bring you the types of stories that really explain what's going on. And, and I might sound like I'm patting the athletic on the back, but I really mean that. Um, I, I don't know uh, what more you could ask than, than the coverage that, uh, that we give you at the athletic. So Jordan, and I, think, I know. And I think mm-hmm. Rich, like, and that's nice of you to say, but, um, that's hope not, not, I always appreciate, it always gives me warm fuzzies when people are, are kind and kindness that we just need more and more of it in the world. Right. But, yeah. um, I think that for me, the story is always in the trying, right. It's always in the trying, trying good, to become more, trying to become better, trying to become yeah. uh, truthful and, and really cover the act of trying. And I think, that's what makes this team interesting and that's what makes it yeah. so um yeah. so important to understand that every piece every tidbit every tweet every podcast everything it's a part to a whole story yeah. that's happening that's unfolding right. and um i know i'm not going to stop trying to find those pieces and to me that's right. what beat writing is beat writing is um, the act of covering the trying and the yeah. humanity within the trying. So yeah. I'm grateful it's, for everyone to following for following along. Um, if you're not, boy, do I have a a fun thing for you? Oh, <laughs> when you subscribe to the Athletic through the Eleven Personnel Podcast, Rich, why don't you take it from here? Uh, well, she's uh, you're putting me on the spot here, Jordan. I don't I don't know if I can remember. Uh, <laughs> yes, if you have not yet subscribed to the Athletic, uh, you can do so. Or we're getting are also getting close to the holiday season. So if you want to give a gift uh, subscription to somebody, also a great idea. Uh, what you should do is go to theathletic.com/slash/eleven-personnel, and there you can sign up to get not only the outstanding work of Jordan, but all of our great work at the Athletic. And when you do so. You make Jordan happy because you can take advantage of her favorite thing in the entire world, which is what? A great discount. My favorite thing in the world, which is a great discount. Um, You guys definitely make sure that if you are going to become a new subscriber, do it through this podcast. When you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast, every single time you will receive a great discount. Whether there are deals running or not, you will always get my favorite thing in the world a great discount. Also love when you guys tweet that at me. It makes my day every single time. Um, we appreciate you guys following along a little bit, hopefully a couple of days uh, of quiet here after a very, very crazy month. Um, but going to be back at it, um, hitting the ground really hard next week, uh, making sure that we're getting you all the coverage you need um, ahead of Rams Packers, which is going to be a crucial, crucial game um, for them to win and be competitive in and kind of show the world what what they're made of after a couple of uh, punches in the chin. So I think they can do it. Um, I think they've got the right stuff in that locker room. Like I said, my column, it's a remarkable group of very secure people. Um, so I think that looking inward is a, is a good place to start and, and running with that feeling, running with that uh, collective identity that they already have, um, re- resettling it and, and being where their feet are. And I think that this team still has that potential to do that. So thank you guys as always for following along. Thank you for the ratings and reviews and we'll catch you next time.